Welcome back, MTN Nets Podcast. Like, subscribe, all that good stuff. Uh, Nets pull off a great win tonight, so I was not expecting to make this video, but I'm pumped. That was a great win, so I had to come on here and talk about it. Um, and I thought they were going to lose the game, honestly. I like When the Nets were down like 12 or 13 points with about, I don't know, five minutes left, you're in Golden State. They're so good at home. You're thinking like, ah, you know, they hung around for a bit, but they're a better team right now. They have less injuries and whatever. They're a great home team. Nets are kind of at the end of a road trip here, but they, they pull it out. The Nets come back. You know, it started with the challenge by Jock Vaughn, the play where Draymond was sliding a bit to his left. And then, of course, Jock Vaughn challenges that. Claxton gets the uh, the and one. I forget if he made the free throw. I don't think he made it. I mean, Claxton had a pretty uh, rough night at the line, but aside from that, Claxton was ridiculous. Um, great performances from some guys in this game. Of course, Royce O'Neal made the huge shot. Joe Harris showed up, made some big shots. And, you know, the funny thing is with Joe Harris, we always talk about Joe Harris does not make clutch shots. And, like, of course, you know, going back to that uh, Bucks playoff series, we kind of have that narrative about Joe Harris. But tonight made a huge shot to tie the game up in the uh, late fourth quarter. Claxton, he was 6 of 15 at the line, but aside from that, was phenomenal. He had Kyrie, who is still playing like a superstar. You know, I think the last three games, Kyrie's had at least 30 points, at least five assists, and at least five rebounds. So he's been great. Even Ben Simmons, it wasn't the best Ben Simmons game, but he played great in the third quarter. So I have to give it to him for that. But it's awesome. So 29-17, and 17, Nets win two in a row. Of course, every win you get without Kevin Durant is massive. And, um, you know, I was, I was annoyed. The Nets had a stretch here where... They had some easier games coming into this West Coast trip, whether whether it was the Spurs game or even the last home game against OKC. You had the other West Coast game at Phoenix, and Phoenix was, you know, they were in rough shape at that point on their injury report. I mean, I don't think Devin Booker played, Chris Paul didn't play. They had nobody. So um, for the Nets to drop that game, they made a great fourth quarter comeback on that night, but still the fall short there sucked. So they started 0-4 without KD, and it was like starting to feel a lot like last year when the Nets lost like what 12 games in a row, 13, whatever it was, without KD. Um, I think they went like 4-20 and without him last year or something around there. So uh, it was getting scary, but now they are overall 2-4 and without him, but getting these two big wins. I mean, if you look at their road trip, you would think that the most likely wins were going to be San Antonio and Phoenix, but they lose those games and they win the games they were probably not supposed to win, the one at the Jazz on a back-to-back and at Golden State. So it's funny how sports work sometimes. Now they are on the road on Wednesday at the Sixers, but I'm sure they'll come home first and then go to Philadelphia. So I don't consider that the same road trip. I don't know how you guys look at it. But yeah, definitely a big game. ESPN game. I would love to beat the Sixers, but we'll see about that. But I know Philly, they're hot right now. They're playing really good basketball. I think they just had a West Coast trip themselves, and I think they went undefeated. So Philly's playing at a very high level. I will say that. Before the Nets, I mean, yeah, it was a great ending to a great game. And as I said, I was not expecting this ending. I mean, sometimes the best... Uh, the best wins are the ones you don't expect. I'm trying to see what the biggest deficit was. So Thompson made a three with like seven minutes left. It put the Warriors up 106-93. Um, so that might have been the biggest lead towards the end, like a 13-point Warriors lead. Claxton made a layup. You had Kyrie get to the line, make those free throws. Kyrie had the big and one pull-up jumper on Klay Thompson. And then Joe Harris with uh, a minute 50 left made the big three-pointer in the left corner. So that was a big shot by Joe. And as I said, when Joe takes those shots, you don't expect him to go in in the clutch. But I got to give him credit. That was a big shot there for Joe Harris. Kyrie, or not Kyrie, yeah, Kyrie made two free throws. Steph made two free throws. 
and the Nets were down one, and Kyrie was doing his thing, isolation. He was trying to drive towards the middle. Help came over from the right side, and Kyrie saw a wide open Royce O'Neal. And it kind of reminded me of actually the second game of the year when Kyrie had a similar situation where Kyrie was kind of getting doubled and could have either tried to just make something happen on his own or pass to a wide open Royce O'Neal. And Royce O'Neal got the ball versus Toronto. He made the three, which ultimately won them the game. And that was back in game two. So we're talking like, you know, late October, long time ago. But here in January of 2023, it's a similar situation where Kyrie, yeah, he could have forced a a contested jumper and and maybe could have made it. But he saw an open Royce O'Neal who goes on to make the three-pointer from 28 feet out on the right wing. Gave the Nets a 118-116 lead. And after that, the Warriors did not score. They missed a shot. Klay Thompson missed a, a you know, semi-contested three-point shot. Kyrie got the rebound, made both three for free throws, uh, and that was the game. So it was an awesome ending, and as I said, a very unexpected ending. But we'll talk about the individual performances, talking about the big picture stuff at the end, as we always do. As I said, Royce O'Neal, a pretty nice game. I mean, 39 minutes, 6 of 10, 4 of 7 from 3, which is great. Six rebounds, had two blocks, did have three turnovers, a plus nine overall. And, of course, made the big shot. I mean, Royce O'Neal has arguably, I'm sure, you know, Kyrie's been like one of the best fourth quarter players this year. And Kevin Durant seems to not miss in the fourth quarter either. But you can argue that the the third most clutch player on Brooklyn this year has been Royce O'Neal. So I was not expecting that coming into the year. But I will say Royce O'Neal has definitely had his clutch moments this year. Joe Harris, I mean, just when you want to give up on him, he gives you some more hope. And this is one of those games. 31 minutes, 5 of 8 overall, 4 of 7 from 3, 4 rebounds, 3 assists, a plus 9, 14 points. I like what I saw from Joe. Of course, there was some def- he listen. <laughs> there were some defensive possessions on on Steph where Joe Curry or not Joe Curry, Joe Harris was in the blender. I mean, he had no clue where he was going. I mean, it's, I, I think Steph did a simple like behind the back wraparound, and Joe Harris almost fell on the floor. Like he had no clue how to guard Steph Curry, but he gave effort. So I'll give Joe Harris that. But my my God, those were some ugly defensive possessions. But um, offensively, Joe did what he could. He even had a, he had a nice drive. Um, I think it was a pretty crucial point in the game trying to make that comeback down 13. And he drove hard to the basket and got like an easy layup at the rim. So I love when Joe makes those driving layups and kind of makes himself more of a, uh, you know, a multi-dimensional player, not just a spot-up shooter type guy, although that's pretty much what he does 90% of the time. Nick Claxton, 36 minutes, 9 of 13 Shot 6 of 15 at the line, had 15 rebounds, another three-block game. I think that breaks the Nets franchise record for most consecutive three or more blocks games. So that's awesome for Nick Claxton. I think he was a team high, plus 23. Kyrie was a plus 22. Nick Claxton got the high at plus 23. So great to see there. Had 24 points Claxton as well, which he doesn't score that many that often. I don't don't know if that's a season high or not, but Claxton was just unbelievable all night. Kyrie, 40 minutes, 12 of 22, which, you know, it's over 50%. It's not too bad. So Kyrie, decent, uh, decent efficiency, 5 of 7 from 3. I mean, I'll take that from Kyrie, of course. He's kind of had a rough three-point shooting season, which I still don't understand why. I mean, he's kind of forced some shots from three, but, you know, Kyrie, for the most part, has been a very good three-point shooter throughout his career, especially the past few years since he's been in Brooklyn. But nine of nine at the free throw line, that was big. Kind of made up for Nick Claxton's shortcomings at the line. Had seven rebounds, nine assists. I mean, just a great game overall for Kyrie. Only one turnover, too. He had the ball in his hands so much, and to have one turnover that entire game against that very very like pesty uh, Warriors defense. That's that's impressive stuff for Kyrie. So I love what I saw there. And I love that Kyrie's getting
getting these wins now because you have you know some talking heads like Kendrick Perkins saying like ah oh, Kyrie can't win on his own and blah 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 and like yeah I mean look it's easier to win with KD like no shit but I love Kyrie like kind of shutting the haters up and it seems like when Kyrie plays against Steph Curry like he ha- he has a little extra motivation like I think you can tell I think Kyrie loves playing defense against Steph Curry low key of course Seth you know his brother loves it as well so I think that kind of helps the Nets in a weird way but I think Kyrie always steps up to the occasion when he's playing against uh, Steph Curry um, Ben Simmons uh, yeah I mean this is an interesting one so 29 minutes three of six he missed a wide open layup I posted that on Twitter I was like come on like you really you have to make that, bro. You're 6'10". You're right there. Point blank. He missed the layup. One of two at the line. He made his first one. I remember that. It was a nice swish, so it was cool to see Ben Simmons knock down a free throw very easily. Three rebounds only, which you don't see very often, but 11 assists, so that's good. He had one block, one steal, two turnovers. Um, you know, Ben had some nice moments in this game, uh, especially the third quarter, as I mentioned. He was, like, dominant in the third quarter at some points, and of course, it wasn't really scoring the ball, but every other aspect, he was pretty dominant in the third quarter but for the most part I liked what I saw from Ben Simmons but there were also the annoying parts of the game where it's like you would wish he would just take this downhill drive and try to get to the rim but he doesn't do it some of those stupid fall away one-handed shots he does and one of them barely touched the rim so of course he missed that layup too it wasn't perfect, but I do think Ben made such a big difference defensively. Like, he does not get enough credit from the general public for how he plays defense. And I get it. Like, people don't pay attention to defense. But when you sit down and watch the Nets every single game, like a wacko, like I do, um, you know, you see Ben Simmons makes a very big difference on the defensive end. So he's been doing a good job there. It's just like the offense has to come, the aggressiveness has to come. And I don't know if, like, my mom asked me, she's like, didn't Ben Simmons used to, like, you know, play different in Philly and blah, blah, blah. Like, my mom kind of knows basketball. But I was like, yeah, like, I don't know his problem, whether it's the back injury or whether the guy is just afraid to get to the free throw line. I don't know what it is. I don't know why Ben Simmons is not the same guy he used to be. Um, You know, we've all seen him by now on Twitter and Instagram. Like, people have posted the old Ben Simmons highlights, and he's dunking on people and just attacking the rim with such force that we have not really seen much at all this year. So... I do hope he gets it back, but, like, at what point, you know, do you realize, like, it may not come back? I don't know. I mean, I still have faith that the guy can get it back at some point. Um, the Nets are not going to trade Ben Simmons right now. It just I just can't see a team taking on that contract, so he will be the Nets' problem, quote-unquote problem. But um, hopefully they get the best out of him because, you know, if Ben Simmons plays at a higher level, it just raises the entire ceiling of this team. And, you know, they go from, like, potential – Eastern Conference Finals team to like, oh, they might win the whole damn thing. So that would be great if Ben Simmons can somehow over these last uh, four or five months or whatever can get back to the old Ben Simmons back when he was at his, you know, peak performances back in Philly. TJ Warren had a weird game. He had one scary play early where he got knocked into like the um, the padding under the basket and he got a bit like shaken up and he got taken out of the game. But then he came back in and didn't do much. He was only uh, two of eight. So that, that sucks. He had, um, you know, three fouls, two rebounds, one assist, four points, a minus 12. Utah Watanabe, a similar stat line, 10 minutes, one of four. He did make a nice reverse left-handed layup. I guess he is a lefty, so I shouldn't even say that. But uh, three rebounds, one assist. He was a minus 12 with two points. Edmund Sumner didn't do much either. 12 minutes, 0 of 1 shooting, 3 of 4 at the line. He does get to the line, Edmund Sumner. I'll give him that. But minus 11, three points total. 
And Seth Curry goes to his brother's house and gets the dub. Five of seven, uh, one of three from downtown, one of one at the line on one of those like clear, not clear path foul. What the hell is it called? The transition take foul, whatever the hell it's called. Uh, four assists and had one steal. Had five turnovers. I mean, that, that was the weird part. I mean, Seth Curry, I think, had back-to-back possessions in like the middle of the fourth quarter. And he, he had like a play where he pushed off on maybe Kaminga or someone like that. It was a very obvious call. And there was another one. I forget what he did, but it was some type of like travel or offensive foul. I think he traveled. So, yeah, I mean, Seth Curry, he had some uncharacteristic, like, you know, just stupid plays tonight. His IQ was not very high tonight, but um, he was all right. You know, he, he contributed five of seven shooting wise. You'll take that from Seth. Twelve points. You know, you'll take that off the bench. So, yeah, starters-wise, I love what I saw from Kyrie. He's been playing like a superstar the past few games. He had like 48 points the other game against uh, against Utah. I mean, like, when Kyrie's in those zones, it is like, it's, it's fantastic to watch. And even that fourth quarter versus the Suns. So, Kyrie, the first, like, seven quarters without uh, KD since the injury, Kyrie just was not showing up. And then in the fourth quarter of that Suns game, the Nets were down like, I don't know, 25 or something at one point. And they brought that game back to like a three-point game. So they were right there. Of course, they fell short at the end to a bunch of nobodies on the on the Suns, which was terrible. But I think that fourth quarter did give them some momentum and some confidence going into the Jazz game and even going into tonight's game. So the Nets, I believe, were like seven and a half point underdogs tonight, and they won the game. So of course you love that. I got to give my man Kyrie some credit. He's been playing like a star lately, and I would love for him to show up James Harden as well. So that would be awesome if he did that on Wednesday. I'm already concerned about stopping Maxi and Embiid, but you know, if we can somehow win against Philly without KD, that'd be probably my favorite win of the year if they can uh, figure that one out. And Joe Harris, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what to think about Joe anymore. I mean, I, I, I last time I talked to you guys, I think I was done with Joe. I was like, I, I just, you know, I, I will never hate Joe. I don't hate any Nets players really, but like Joe Harris was pissing me off a lot at that point. Um, I think he was like 0 of 1 the past two games at that point, and he wasn't really doing anything whatsoever, getting cooked defensively. But if he can shoot like this and give me like some four for seven from three and, you know, some three of eights or any, it's just games like that. Just decent three point shooting games. Like, I'll be fine with Joe Harris. Like, he is what he is defensively. He's not great. He's not terrible, but I would say he's probably average to below average defensively, but he has some size. He's like 6'6 or something. So Joe Harris is all right. You know, like he has a, a movable contract based on what he gets paid, and it's it's definitely not a guarantee that he remains on this team the rest of the year. But as I always say, he's one of Sean Marks' guys, so it would not shock me if he does remain on the Nets the rest of the year. And Royce O'Neal, I mean, yeah, he's another guy who I, I feel like Royce will give you one fantastic game, which is like tonight's game. And then it'll give you like four mid games and then it'll give you like one or two awful games where you're asking yourself, like, why the hell did we trade a first round pick for this guy? And then it'll give you another awesome game. So it's like it's a constant roller coaster with uh, with Royce O'Neal. But he's been consistently who he is. You know, he'll make the clutch shots, which I love. Um, he'll bring some, you know. I don't want to say dirty play, but like he'll just bring some some good energy, good hustle that some guys don't like to bring. So he's definitely not afraid to get his nose in there, make a play when he needs to. Um, I thought he'd be a bit better defensively when he came here, and he's had his moments. But like for the most part, oh wow, I did not see this shot. Someone made like a three quarters court shot in the Memphis game. That's crazy. Um, anyway, yeah, I mean Royce O'Neal's had his moments defensively this year, but I would say just overall it has not been as great as I thought it would be. So it's a bit disappointing, but you know, hopefully uh, as the season goes on, these guys get more comfortable together. They'll be better defensively. 
And speaking of being better defensively, Nick Claxton, I mean, he ha- he has to be in the top three for defensive player of the year. I know that, uh, you know, Jackson and, and Brooke Lopez are going to get like the one and two, you know, spots right now. But I think Nick Claxton has to be in the top three. I, I don't know what else he has to do. He is just completely transform the entire Nets defense. I think there was a stat that the Nets are like 27th in defensive rating when Claxton is off the floor and like fourth in defensive rating when he's on the floor. I could be off with those numbers a bit, but it was somewhere around there. Um, it's just crazy like what Claxton does. Like his help defense is great. He's As I said, he's had three or more blocks in like 12 straight games or something. It's crazy. So Claxton has completely blossomed into like a very good center. He's probably a top 10 center by now. I would say there's probably no doubt about that. Um, will he ever reach like the uh, a superstar level? I mean, unless he really improves his offensive game, maybe not. But for the role he gives the Nets, um, he's definitely worth it. And I would say that that contract he signed for, I think, two years, $20 million, it's one of the best bargains in the NBA right now. So I love what I see from Mr. Nick Claxton. Just those damn free throws got to get better. And I don't know how many times he wants to switch it up because I feel like Claxton already switched up his foul shot like three times this year. Now he's going with the long pause and it's had some success. But then, of course, you know, sometimes it hasn't had success. And yeah, I don't even, I don't think I mentioned this, but Steve Kerr had like a few different plays where he was just trying to intentionally foul Nick Claxton. It was hack a Claxton. And he did it towards the end of the first half, and he did it towards the end of the uh, fourth quarter. And at one point, the Nets had to sub in Utah Watanabe, who actually had a pretty big rebound, and I think maybe maybe had an assist there at the end. I don't know, but Utah had like a decent 45-second stretch there at the end. But um, they had to put Utah in for Claxton because they were tired of like sending Claxton to the line and having him miss both foul shots. So, you know, I feel like Jock Vaughn did the right thing. And of course, when you get under two minutes, the uh, hack a klaxon or hack a shack rule, whatever the hell they called it at first, it does not apply anymore. So um, at that point, they were able to put Claxton back in the game and have no repercussions. Rough game for Clay Thompson as I'm looking. He was 0 of 7 from 3. Uh, Steph was 4 of 8 from 3. Wiggins was 0 of 3 from 3. Uh, this Golden State team, they're still good. I mean, they are not like they're not clicking on all cylinders yet, but they are playing much better basketball as compared to what they were at one point. Um, it's still weird, like their home and road splits are very weird. But yeah, Golden State's a great home team, and the Nets found a way to beat them tonight at, on the road. And I think Claxton even had some type of quote saying like he doesn't think that the Warriors took the Nets seriously tonight, and if they didn't, then I guess you know shame on them. They they could have slept on the Nets, and they might have lost the game because of that. I want to see what their home record is. So they, I guess, before this game, they were 17 and five at home, which is probably has to be one of the best you know win percentages at home this year. The Nuggets are actually 22 and four, and the Grizzlies are 20 and three. Wow, what's Boston out of curiosity? Boston's 18 and five at home. The Nets are 13 and seven at home. The Nets never play well at home. I mean, 13 and seven is not terrible, but you know, I feel like last year the Nets were a much better road team. It made no sense. So anyway, uh, the Nets are now 29 and 17. They are now tied with Milwaukee. They're a game back of the Sixers. And five and a half back of Boston, who's won nine games in a row. Wow, so that's crazy. But yeah, they're a game up of the Cavs. They are four up on the Heat. So I would say a worst case scenario by the time KD gets back. Hopefully, this team will be no worse than the five seed. But you don't want the Bucks and Sixers and possibly Cavs to separate from you that much. Like, I would love to be a top four seed if I'm the Nets. That's like the goal right now. So. Obviously, you would love to get the first seed, but the way Boston's playing, it does not seem feasible right now. But if they can like finish even the second seed, assuming that we get good Kevin Durant news and he returns as soon as possible, 
the Nets could actually finish the year on a nice run and maybe, you know, finish in the top three seeds, maybe even two. Um, you know, I, I thought one seed was possible before KD got hurt because I think coming into that Celtics game like last Thursday, the one in Brooklyn, which I happened to be at, which, you know, that, that game sucked in the fourth quarter. But the Nets were down one game of Boston at that point, and now they're down to five and a half. But, you know, at that point, they were one game away. So I, I figured at that point, like, hey, if KD stayed healthy, there was a chance, you know. But unfortunately, that's not how it went. But yeah, hopefully KD's back soon. Um, we have not received any bad news about KD yet. So hopefully that's a, a positive. But yeah, I do love these uh, couple wins here they got some just awesome wins that they uh they need to get when katie's out you can't continue to lose every game just because your best player is out now as i mentioned going forward at philly on wednesday so you have like three days off that's cool then you have a back-to-back home game versus detroit detroit's terrible i would hope you can take care of them i get it's a back-to-back but no excuses then their home saturday versus the knicks like a 5 30 game on saturday that's a weird time but yeah saturday versus the knicks then a monday versus the lakers and then you have a road game at boston then a nice long um what is that a six game a six game or five game homestand after the boston game on february 1st so i i think i forget when i said katie's coming back i tried to make my prediction i think i predicted that katie would be back for the uh washington game on february 4th so you know if that's the case that means the nets would have one two three four five more games without katie if they can go two and three without him the rest of the way i mean obviously i would like to have a better record but two and three at worst i mean i can sign up for that you know what i mean like beat detroit and beat either the Knicks or the Lakers, and you get two wins right there, and hopefully by the time that five-game homestand starts on uh, February 4th that you have Kevin Durant back. So hopefully that's how it works out. But, yeah, it was an awesome win. Good job by Jock Vaughn tonight for the most part. Um, You know, those four losses in a row, they were getting me a bit concerned. I'm not going to lie, but they got that big win in, uh, in Utah. They get the big win tonight at Golden State. That was very unexpected, so an awesome win. And according to the bottom line, the Nets were down by 17. So I, I trust the Yes Network bottom line there. So a 17-point deficit on the road at Golden State. Most teams in that situation are dead, but the Nets actually fought back and they got the win, so that's awesome. Um, so, yeah, I will talk to you guys at some point. I'm trying to think. I'll probably after the Knicks game. I feel like that would be a good time to talk to you guys because the Nets-Knicks rivalry, that's some cool stuff, and I would love to win that game. I think the, I think the Nets have beaten them like eight straight times, so if they can continue that, that would be great. But, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll plan on making a video Saturday, January 28th, which actually is uh, J. Cole's birthday, my favorite rapper. <laughs> anyway, all right, so I hope you guys enjoyed the video. Hopefully they keep on winning, and please beat the Sixers on Wednesday, I beg you. Actually, I might make a video. If they beat the Sixers on Wednesday, you might see me on Wednesday night, but we'll find out what happens there. But I hope you guys enjoyed, and I'll talk to you guys next time.